three, two, one. Daybreaks and aches. I'll be running when my feet hit the ground. Welcome to From One Mom to Another with Cindy Anderson. I subscribe to the belief that women need women. As a mother of seven, she is versed in all aspects of the triumphs, joys, and challenges of parenting. Tap into your own strengths and trust that you are the best mother your children ever had. And give yourself some credit. Take some time to breathe. You are doing better than you think. Now here's Cindy. You are all doing better than you think. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of From One Mom to Another. Stephanie and I are going to talk about our children's happiness and why the burden to make sure our children are happy every day and every minute should not be put upon ourselves. It is important for our children to feel empowered and be able to create their own happiness, and this episode is going to focus on how to do that. Of course, the well-being and long-term happiness of our children is our concern, but I believe our responsibility begins and ends with teaching them how to be responsible for their own happiness. So let's go ahead and dive in and ask the question, why is helping our children take responsibility for their own happiness so important? Now, we could spend quite a few episodes on this topic, but for today, I want to explore why teaching our children to cope with boredom is such a big component of today's topic. Sometimes the best thing we can do is let our children be bored. I'm not saying this is easy, and there are definitely some negative things that can happen when we have a house full of bored children. There are fights. Destructions of all types. Two words, Britta and Desitin. <laughs> that sounds like a good story. Uh, take it, when she was a baby, she got into the Desitin when she was bored? Oh, got into it implies that she got curious. She, she bathed herself in it. She absolutely bathed herself yeah. in and, and And so given these, we all, and we all have those stories. So given this, we... You know, what is the reason and what are the positive reasons why allowing our children to own their own boredom is important? And why are we not responsible for making sure that every life, every sorry, that every minute in their life is, is filled with entertainment and things that they're interested in? When they're bored, they have a problem and they learn how to solve it, right? They, right, right. Uh, we didn't solve it for them. And so it teaches them that whatever comes along their way, they can handle it. You know, when Daniel, when we moved from, we moved from Indiana to Texas, when my son Daniel was his first year in middle school, and that's a tough age. Right. Oh, it's the worst. Middle school in general, in my opinion, you take hundreds of insecure hormonal preteens, you put them in one building together with minimal adult supervision, and then you basically just say, survive. Yeah. (laughs) Survive, and hopefully you come out better on the other side. Yeah, I agree. Well, Daniel didn't know anybody, and he had a lunch period where his lunch period wasn't with anybody that was any of his classes. Mm -hmm. So every day, he ate lunch by himself. And, you know, that's, that is, it's, you know, as an adult, eating lunch by ourselves is a luxury. luxury. That's right. (laughs) But for, you know, a 12, 13-year-old boy, that is awful. And he would come home every day and crying and you know, what do I do? What do I do? Anyway, I wanted to go down to that school. I wanted to switch his lunch. I wanted to grab some kids and say, you go, go sit over and sit with my friend, with my son and be his friend. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to solve that for him, but I, but I couldn't. And one, he didn't want me to, I mean, that's the last thing he would want me to do is show up at lunch and 
and <laughs> rearrange <laughs> the sound, Nothing says cool like your mom showing up at lunch. That's right. Re- reassigning the seating, you know, re- changing the seating arrangement. Anyway, it was a long process of about two or three months. And every day we would just problem solve it. You know, what do you think you, what do you think you can do? And what do you, so he would go try things. And I really feel like this pattern of I'm bored, I'm not happy. You know, what can I do to get out of this situation? What can I do to make it better? Helped Daniel figure out how to make friends, how to get through the lunch time, you know, and uh, intact and be resilient. And from that experience, it it was life-changing for him. You're saying that building up confidence and, and problem solving in one area of your life as a child translates to problem solving in other areas of your life, that he had the confidence to keep working at this problem. To, yeah, to keep working it, to we'd analyze it when he got home from school. What did he try? Who did he talk to? And there were a bunch of kids there that he could have went and sat with, but they were the kids that always got in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so he was making a choice to not get involved in those kids. And that in itself is a great problem solving skill. Anyway, he finally met some kids on a bus and invited them to come eat with lunch with them. Found out they had the same lunch and these kids became best friends, became lifelong friends. In fact, they are still friends today. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And um, if I had solved that problem for him, we wouldn't have had the same outcome. So I, I think that it, that it teaches that, that important skill that whatever comes their way, they can handle it and they can try it into, you know, maybe the first way didn't work. Yeah. We yeah. try it, you know, another way. Yeah. You know, and I also think uh, when you let your kids get bored and then they fill their time, you know, themselves, they're pursuing things that are interesting to them. They're pursuing things that they're curious about. And so it, they are better at shaping who they are and understanding who they are. Whereas if we solve that boredom for them, then we're kind of pushing our um, interests and hobbies on them, not purposefully, but unintentionally. And so, you know, your kid can then, when you let them get bored, can pursue what's actually truly interesting to them. Right. Well, it's, yeah, it certainly contributes to their, um, self-discovery of interest. I, I feel like you kids, you know, your, the, your love of reading and your imaginative play, you, you, know, cr- you know, increasing your imagine, imagination. I mean, all the, all the play acting games you guys would play, like, okay, I'm going to say this. I call right. it the you say that game, mm-hmm. where you think of a scenario and a story and your characters. <laughs> okay, you say this and I'm going to say that. Um, certainly increases imagination. And a lot of the things that, that my kids love to do came out of that self-discovery process. I also think that it also helps kids develop and learn how to use resources that are available to them to solve a problem. Um, yes. And I don't know if this is the right time to share this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> True confession time. Well, like one of those, you know, you were never caught for it as a child, like, you know, you got, you got off scot-free. Is that what you're saying? And now you're, and now you're turning yourself in? <laughs> kind of. Um, and I apologize, William, Daniel, and Eric. For... 
crowding everybody. But anyways, speaking of resources, we um, were sent down to the basement one day because we were all bored and driving you crazy. And downstairs there was a broom. And our basement, when we lived in our Indiana house, had a staircase and a storage room underneath the stairs. So it kind of created a circular uh, path. Right. Stairs. And we decided to play the broom game. <laughs> One person would stand there holding the broom, kind of almost like, you know, soldiers outside of Buckingham Palace style. Okay. And we had to hold really, really still while the other siblings ran around the circle. And without any warning, we would take the broom and try to trip someone <laughs> running by us. And hold on, there was there's more to this. It was it can was we, can we point out that this was in the basement and there's a cement floor? Sure, saying. sure. Just saying. But there was there was a there were layers to this game because <laughs> each person holding the broom had to do something that would indicate they were getting ready to use said broom to trip. So the people running not only had to dodge the broom, but they also had to observe the broom holder <laughs> to try to identify whatever quirk or ticket was that yeah. signaled the using of the broom. And so I would say this story also segues into another important lesson that children learn when they get to be bored. Yeah, because I'm just going to ask you, how we're talking about the positive, you know, <laughs> well, positive aspects of having your children with boredom. And basically, you know, I'm lucky I didn't have to take anybody to the hospital for a broken. There were a few spells that we had to convince younger siblings that they were fine. They were fine. <laughs> no, tell mom, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, so we learn at an early age when, when we solve our boredom sometimes that there are consequences for tripping right. each other with brooms and whatnot. And whatnot. Look, we had a broom in a basement, and we we we, re, we use those resources. <laughs> yeah, I'll be making phone calls tomorrow. Um, no, I mean, and I think that's great. I mean, when I told my mom I was bored, she took a soda can out of the trash and told me to go play kick the kick the can. I mean, yeah, these are not. <laughs> and, and when you explain that game to a child, what what do you have? What do you, can you say? Well, we. You kick the can. You can, and then you run. <laughs> well, you kick the can, and then you go up to where you've kicked it, and you kick it again, and then you go up to where you've kicked it, and you kick it again. Sometimes you kick it around your backyard. Sometimes you kick it around the, around the block, and your friends join in. They have their own soda can, and they would kick it, and then we'd run up to our cans and kick it again. And really, that's the only rule of the game. <laughs> So, however, I do feel like, you know, having kids use their imagination, using the resources that they have, um, even if they turn into crazy games like, um, you know, the broom game and kick the can and all of those, it does solve the problem that they're having. Absolutely. And yes, I think learning consequences, you know, uh, from their choices is also also a good thing. Um, I think too, you know, sometimes when we're bored, we don't always have to think of something to do. Mm-hmm. We don't have to play kick the can. We don't have to play broom, the broom game. We don't have to think of something fun and exciting to do or some, a, a diversion uh, of some sort. Um, 
you know, being bored, there's nothing wrong with being bored. And there's nothing wrong with taking some time to kind of quiet down the world and, and not be busy and not have things to do. I, I think we are almost afraid of being bored because it's hard to feel the feels. It's hard to feel the emotions throughout the day. But I think it's so important, not only for our children, but for us, for us as well, to have time to think of things that made us upset earlier in the day or think of things that maybe we did wrong that we need to go back and, and fix. And if you know, we always hop on a screen or we have someone entertain us every single time we get bored, then we miss out on those opportunities to self-regulate our emotions, to think through our emotions, right. to, to have that experience of just feeling the, the real emotions and the real, you know, in, in, in the moment. Right. We had a, it, uh, when I was growing up, we had a big, huge tree out in the front yard. And one of my favorite things to do was go lay down underneath the tree and look up at the sky. And I, you know, I would contemplate life and my place in it as a nine-year-old, you know, I mean, as you do. As one does. As one does. And I remember kind of working out the order that my siblings and I were going to die. Because... <laughs> As one does. As one does when one is contemplating one's life. Um, you know, Bob, I have two brothers. Uh, or at the time, I had two brothers. I, um, my youngest brother wasn't born yet. but So I just figured my oldest brother, Bob, he would die first because he was the oldest. Sure. And then it would be me. And then Steve would, my brother Steve, who's younger than me, would die last. And I was okay with that. I was very philosophical about that, very... You know, when you're 10, you got a lot of life left to live. Right. It doesn't seem so scary to die. It doesn't seem two, so scary. But, yeah. Um, so, you know, that was just, that just kind of, you know, fed my soul in my own dramatic 10-year-old way. And I'd look at the clouds and shape the clouds. And I think there's nothing wrong with being still. Right. Right. And, um, you know, I, th I think the bottom line here is... Uh, you know, we need to have, we can, ha we can have some faith in our child, his philosophical, physical, and emotional abilities. They can do this. Right. They, 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 they really can. And um, uh, they, but they won't ever know if we, if we are responsible if we for their happiness. Step in and fix the boredom. And fix the boredom. Um, and I would just like to point out that you can never fix it. Because if I, if my kid said I'm bored, and the reason why I would always say, well, then you can do some chores. That was my go-to. Like if you kids, I don't know if you remember that, but. Oh, absolutely. We learned very yeah. quickly to not tell you that we were bored because none of us like doing chores. Right, right. So my response, and the reason why that was my go-to is because if, if you give your kids a list and they're bored, they aren't going to like anything on that list. Right. And you, you're never going to be able to, uh, completely satisfy or fulfill your child's ultimate dreams because that list is never ending. Right. So if there's five things that they say that we, we can do as mothers to make them happy and we do those five things, then there's going to be five more things and five more things. And so this, this ability to deal with their boredom um, also helps them to be satisfied, to have a good result. Yeah. And that they, they, they are perfectly capable 
of coming up with your own plan. And sometimes it's the broom game. Um, all I would just like to say about that is you're all alive. We're so all alive. We're going to so, count that as a win. But we also have to keep in mind that, you know, kids are young, they're learning. So we need to talk about ways that we can help our children, constructive ways to help our children handle the boredom. That's right. I love this quote from Viktor Frankl. And it says, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose, one, to choose one's own way. And just highlighting, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, and to choose one, one's own way. And this is going to be, you know, a lifetime issue. This is what we're going to be dealing with always. I mean, what are we dealing with now with, with COVID-19? Well, yeah, we're facing boredom at a whole new level. <laughs> I mean, right. We normally do to fill our time. We're taken away or shut down or closed. And so we're all having to look at what it means to be bored. And, you know, I think the thing I like about um, Victor Frankl's quote and this whole idea of taking responsibility for your own boredom is that it really helps kids kind of take them out of the victim mentality Right. And that they can be proactive about their situation and they can learn, you know, learn yeah. to overcome a situation. Yeah. It takes them out of the victim mentality and it takes them out of the martyr mentality. Right. Right. They are the captain of their souls. Right. Is that how that thing goes? I'm not really <laughs> sure how that goes, but it's how, the, it's how it goes now. That's how it goes now. That's right. <laughs> because yeah, we don't, we, we aren't victims of our circumstances, nor do we have to be martyrs of our circumstance. We can bring ourselves up out of it. And it, this is not a, oh, our children, it's nice if our kids learn, need to learn this, but this is an adult life skill that determines success right. in right. their, in their life. Right. Um, and self-responsibility, self-responsibility for one's own actions, um, it's going to help them their, their whole life. So let's, let's do that. Let's talk about some constructive ways to help our children learn this skill of creating their own happiness. You know, I think, you know, in the, the list of constructive ways that we can teach our children how to deal with boredom and how to take responsibility for their own happiness, there is the component there that we can't just always tell them, go solve your own problem. Right, Sometimes, they need a little bit of skill. Yeah, they don't have those skills yet. They, and so it does take a little time to maybe sit down with them and, you know, discuss, discuss that problem. I mean, that with Daniel and the not having any friends at lunch, that pattern had already been set. Right, right. What's the problem? What are you going to do? What are we going to try? Right. You know, so, so one thing that when my kids are bored, I will um, list off resources that they're allowed to use much like the broom, you know, what we, what they can have access to. I don't tell them what to do with those resources. They just, you know, have a better understanding of what's right. available, what, you know. Right. And sometimes they have, they have a problem and I'm, you know, that they really just, yeah, like you say, don't know how to solve. And so you work, you work through that list. Um, I think also too, uh, and this isn't all the time, but we do have to be sensitive that, that sometimes bored children are trying to tell you something. There are times when they're seeking your attention. It's because they, yeah. they just need some. Yeah. And, and sometimes they do that because they're bored. And so that, but sometimes they really, really do need you. 
Mm -hmm. I do want to spend some good time with you. And it's a signal that maybe it's time to find those serendipitous moments and have one. Right, right. With your child. Right, absolutely. You know, but what I'll do if I'm right in the middle of something and we've, snu you know, we've snuggled and I've made sure that I've, you know, given them attention. If, if I feel like though they still need to work on that boredom, those boredom solving skills, after I've snuggled or read them a book, I'll say, why don't you go downstairs and play? I'll set a timer for 20 minutes. And then after 20 minutes is over, then it'll be time to read another book or time to go for a walk. And so I feel like I'm erring on the side of caution that they need some snuggle time and some mom time, but I'm also not completely bailing them out of their boredom by solving it completely for them. Right. Right. Because there has to be, you know, we have sensitivity with our parenting and we don't, you know, we, we, we need to be sensitive to these kinds of things all the, all the while also teaching these right. skills. And so that's a good way to, to combine that and to make sure that, um, make sure that, that those needs are being, are being met and that our radars are, are out there and our antennas are out there. Right. Um, also too, I would just like to say, that, um, and I'm going to take credit for this okay. because I, <laughs> I parented a lot of years ago and I believe that I am the one that invented quiet time. I'm just putting it out there. Okay. Okay. That's I'm a, just putting it out claim, there. I, I'm yeah. not going to fight you for, for I mean, it. I don't have it documented. I mean, yeah. I don't have anything written in a book, sure. but, um, I'm just saying you, you, my love stopped napping when you were 14 months old. I had things to do. Yeah, yeah, you did. There was too much. <laughs> there was too much. You came into this I, life looking for a party. and Look, not that I want to throw things up that I still have resentment about, but I believe sure. we established that sometimes we were sent to bed quite early. And so <laughs> why on earth would yeah. I want to waste precious daylight hours napping? Well, that, that is true. And, and in all fairness, not to get off topic too much, but I will just say there was the day I shut the day down. Yes, at 5, 530. <laughs> but... We still had early bedtimes in the summer, and most of the summer you always went to bed when there was light out. So I think that's a fair statement. That is completely fair statement. Um, but when you when you stop napping, so you're child number three. When you stop napping, all of my other kids, born and not yet born, also stop napping. I I didn't have nappers, and so I invented quiet time, and I think it's genius. They have some time to themselves. They're going to, I'm bored, was yelled through a, through a door, I mean, on many occasions during quiet time. And um, I think it's a great opportunity for them to do some of those quiet things. You know, read a book, draw a picture, right. Play, right. play with their stuffed animals. All of those games are just great imaginative play, great exploring. Yeah. Uh, and truth moment. I get to then sit down and read a book. Correct. Or, you know, it is, it is what we call, that's right. It is what we call a win-win <laughs> situation. <laughs> oh. And then sometimes, I mean, not to contradict myself, when I just got through saying you can't always just tell them to go solve their own problems, sometimes you just tell them to go solve their own problems. <laughs> well, I have... A child who absolutely loves to solve their boredom 
his or her boredom with video games. And while there are definitely some days, especially during quarantine, <laughs> that we have had our fair share of screen time, right. we, we try to, you know, avoid that when possible. And so I'll tell him no. And then because that's what he wants to do, like what you were saying earlier, no matter what it is I list off for him that he can go do, he doesn't want to do any of it. So right. I, I have really been working on and learning how to accommodate when I can, support, you know, good ideas as they come up, you know, the kids right. trying to problem solve. But if they're just actively not trying to problem solve, to just step back and trust that eventually they'll figure it out. That's right. That's right. Even if it's, even if it's the broom game. Um, I don't want to have to go to the hospital during a pandemic, so maybe maybe yeah. I'll remove all the brooms from the household first. Right. My youngest son, Michael, he um, served a mission for our church for a couple of years, and he was uh, at some point would put uh, was the leader of some other missionaries, and they would bring him. They would bring problems to him, and they would, you know, how do we solve this, and how do we solve that? And Michael would just say to them you guys need to get ahead of this thing and figure it out. <laughs> and I mean, I, the genius of that statement, right. you know, they, and they wanted him to solve all their problems, which again, if your kids are fighting and you try to get in it and solve that problem, the only thing you've done is given them a common enemy and now you've got them both mad at you. So it's never, it never works. Right. And I just think that, that sometimes, yes, be sensitive to our kids' needs. Yes, teach them how to do things, divide it, you know, all of those things are, are great. Um, but sometimes they just need to get ahead of this thing and figure it out. That time went by fast, and I feel like we only hit the surface on this topic. What I hope are the takeaways from this discussion, other than making sure brooms are safely put away and out of the basement, is first, you are not responsible for your child's happiness. We can teach and guide them through the process of learning how to cope with boredom and all sorts of, of, of life situations that cause sadness, frustration, and anger in our children's lives. But in the end, their happiness and contentment with their life rests squarely on their shoulders. Second, having bored children in the house is hard, and our inclination is to solve the problem, give them the solutions. But if we can take a step back and teach them how to do this process on their own, we are setting them up to learn resilience to have a life uh, of long discovery of who they are and also develop the self-esteem that they will need to help them throughout their life. And last, but certainly not least, when all else fails, save your soda pop cans for a good game of kick the can. Thanks for listening. All episodes from one mom to another can be found on webtalkradio.net. Please come visit my website at onemomtoanother.com. Have a good week, and please, as always, remember, you are doing better than you think. I need some heart.